Good morning. This is Pastor Joel, and I welcome you to our service of worship at the First Church of New Knoxville. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, the day when we reflect on the joy that we have in Christ. The service today is pre-recorded and broadcast specifically for our radio listeners. It's a special Sunday at First Church. The Sunday School Department is having their Christmas program, which will be followed by the choir cantata. As wonderful as these programs will be, they probably wouldn't translate well to the radio. If you'd like to watch the Sunday School Christmas program and the choir cantata, you can find the live stream on our Facebook page. The video of the service will also be uploaded to our YouTube page on Monday morning. I have a couple quick announcements to share with you before our service begins. The Giving Tree is up in the Heritage Room at First Church. You can stop by the church anytime during the week to pick up tags from the tree. Items purchased this year will support the Elizabeth New Life Pregnancy Center in Sydney. Please return your items with the tags before December 27th. Also, you are invited to join us on Christmas Eve at 7.30 p.m. for a special candlelight service. We will worship together as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And now, let us turn our attention back to the service. This radio broadcast was created just for you, our listeners. We are thankful for each one of you, whether you are members of our church or people that we've never met. This morning, you'll hear music from our Advent services over the past couple years and a new message recorded just for today. For more information about the ministry of First Church or how to connect to us, I invite you to find us on Facebook or go to our website, firstchurchnk.org. Join us now as we worship the Lord through song, prayer, and the study of God's Word. Let's begin our service with a call to worship. Today's reading comes from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Soon we shall celebrate the birth of Jesus. We worship God with joy in our hearts as we are reminded of the words Jesus spoke to his disciples. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is joy, joy that is ours not only at Christmas but always. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as, he was, his, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let us pray. O Holy One, as Christmas draws near, there is a sense of excitement in the air. We can feel a joy in our lives and see it in those around us. Still, for some of us, this is a sad time 
because of unhappy things that have happened in our lives. Help us to have the joy that does not depend on earthly happiness, but on you. Help us to be filled with your joy so that we may share it with the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you. This time, if you're able, I invite you to stand and sing with us. Number 144, How Great Our Joy. And I know the shouting. 
Radio ministry at First Church has been active for more than 50 years. Many people over a long period of time have been blessed and encouraged by it. At this point, though, I'm probably preaching to the choir. If you're one of those people and you'd like to support this ministry, you can give online through our website, firstchurchnk.org. You can also contact us through that website or send a letter to First Church of New Knoxville, P.O. Box 339, New Knoxville, Ohio, 45871. We'd love to hear from you and how the radio ministry has impacted your faith. I invite you to pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness toward us, your people. We thank you that you are with us no matter where we are listening to the service. We may be at home, in a care facility, or just driving on the road, but we know that you are here too. Psalm 139 reminds us that there is nowhere in all of creation we can go to escape your presence. The psalmist writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will become night around me, even in the darkness, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. How comforting are these words. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter what circumstances we face, we know, Father God, that you are with us. You give us your spirit to guide us to strengthen us, and to comfort us. Thank you, Lord, for this radio ministry. It is such a blessing to so many people. It allows us to connect to you through worship, prayer, and the study of your word. Thank you, Lord, for this church family, which extends beyond the walls of our church. Each person listening today, whether a regular listener or someone just passing through, is a special part of that family. And so, Father God, I lift up our radio listeners to you today. May they experience the joy of Christmas. That joy doesn't come from presents or Christmas lights. It comes from you. May they experience your presence and power in their lives, no matter what circumstances they face. Help them to know, Lord, that you are with them and that you will see them through whatever they are facing. I also pray, Father, for all those who are sick and hurting. So many people are struggling right now. May they find healing and hope that only you can provide. I also lift up all our radio listeners who are not part of our church family. I pray that they would connect to a local church. It doesn't matter whether it's First Church or elsewhere. May they find a place to connect and may they seek you with all their heart. You promise in your word that people will find you when they seek you with all their heart. May it be so. And for those who do not know you, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would soften their hearts and minds today. May they hear and respond to the good news of the gospel. May they trust in you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray each week for those in authority over us. 
We pray for our state leaders here in Ohio. We pray for the governor, the legislature, and the courts, and other elected officials as well. May you grant them wisdom to lead well and make decisions for the good and peace of the citizens of the state. And we also pray for our own leaders here at First Church. We thank you for the leaders in our children and youth ministries. We pray for Tori, the youth leadership team, and the Sunday school teachers. May you guide them as they pour into these young people. And may the students, teens, and children alike know you and love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Well, now is the time of the service when we're going to turn our attention to God's word. As I said at the top of the service, this is a special message recorded just for today. So I hope that you are blessed as we talk about the joy that we have in Christ together. I invite you to pray with me. Father God, as we turn our attention to your word now, I pray that you uh, would guide us, that your Holy Spirit would work in me and in the hearts and minds of all those who listen to this message today. We thank you for the joy that we have in Christ, and we pray now that you would fill us with that joy as we turn our attention to your word. May you guide our hearts and minds and give me words to speak this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I said already today, uh, we're going to be talking about joy, the joy that we have in Christ. And it's important to start our message today and, and reflect on how joy and happiness relate. Now, sometimes we use those words interchangeably, but it's important to note that there is an, a, a distinction between those two things. Joy is not the same as happiness. You see, happiness is based on our circumstances. We can feel happy about something that we're experiencing or something that we have, but happiness itself is fleeting because it's just based on those circumstances. They may, our happiness may come and go as our circumstances change. But joy, especially the joy we have in Christ, is so much more permanent than that. It lasts much longer than just the moment-to-moment changes we may be experiencing. And the reason for that is because joy is based not on our circumstances, but on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he is greater than our circumstances. He is greater than how our day is going. And we know from Scripture And we know because of who he is that he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so while happiness may come and go and may change based on what we're experiencing in a given moment, joy lasts. Joy lingers long beyond when our circumstances change because it's based on the person of Jesus Christ. See, joy is the steadfast contentment, excuse me, steadfast contentment that we have in Jesus, because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so joy is trusting in his rule and reign. It's knowing that he is who he says he is, and that he has done for us everything that we need. And so as circumstances change, or as we may face difficult times, we can still have joy because of Jesus, because of who he is. See, Paul learned that lesson for himself. In Philippians 4, he talks about how he, how he's learned to be content in every circumstance. He says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You notice what Paul's secret there is? It's not based on the circumstances because those have changed. He know, he says he knows what it is to have a lot. He knows what it is to have little. He knows probably everything in between that too. You see, the secret to his contentment, the secret to his joy is Christ himself. He knows that no matter what he faces, no matter what he goes through, he can have contentment. He can have joy because Jesus is the source of his joy. And that's what we see here in Luke 2. As, as we heard earlier with the Advent wreath, uh, we heard this scene from Luke 2, the night that Jesus was born. And the shepherds are out in the field. They're watching their flocks. And they're surprised by the arrival of these angels that, that announce the birth of the Messiah, the birth of King Jesus. And I want to reread some of those verses for you, beginning in Luke 2, verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. 
you see the angels told the shepherds that this arrival, this birth of Jesus was going to bring great joy to all people. Right? So as we talk about the joy we have in Christ, we can see right from this very passage the announcement of that joy, the arrival of that joy, and what the source of that joy truly is. And as I've already talked about here, the source of our joy is Jesus himself. He says, this angel is bringing good news that will cause great joy for all people. So so where is this joy coming from? What's the source of it? It's the good news that a Savior has been born. And so there's actually three uh, three titles here, and, and I'll get to that in just a moment. I got ahead of myself for just a, a second there. Um, we see that this this is such a joyous occasion that the angels themselves can't contain it, right? They break out in song. They praise God for who he is and what he's done for us. In verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests, right? This is such joyous news. This is such uh, an occasion to celebrate that the angels themselves burst out into song, right? And, and so, so the good news of Jesus's birth brings us joy. And so as I started to say already, the, the three titles that Jesus has given here all describe who Jesus is, and they all can be a source of joy for us. We see in these verses that Jesus is called Messiah, he's called Savior, and he's called Lord. So let's take a moment and reflect on those three titles and how they can bring us joy. So the first one I want to talk about here is how Jesus is our Messiah. In other words, he's the one, he is who he says he is. You see, the Messiah was this Old Testament figure, this this long-awaited king who would come and, and reign and rule uh, God's people. He is the chosen one that was going to rescue God's people. And the Old Testament over and over and over again describes this Messiah and points to him. All the way, and it starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which is often called the first gospel or the first announcement of the good news. If you're familiar with your Bibles, you know Genesis 3 is part of the story of the Garden of Eden. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's where sin enters the world. And as God is, is pronouncing um, uh, the, the judgment and the curse for sin, he tells the serpent this in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Notice what, what God is saying here, right? That, that the offspring of the woman is going to crush the head of the enemy. You will strike his heel. In other words, you'll wound him, right? He'll, he'll be bruised, but he's going to crush your head. In other words, God is, is announcing victory over the enemy. God is announcing victory over sin. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. That's the Messiah, the offspring who will come and defeat the enemy. You also see passages like Isaiah 7.14, right? One we hear often at Christmas time when the prophet Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Right? And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time, the birth of this Messiah, and not just any person, right? Any time, right? There's there's always excitement around births of children, right? There's there's always joy there, but this birth is special because this is the birth. This is describing the birth of the Messiah, and we know that because of the name that's given, Emmanuel. That's not just any name. That that name means God with us, and so this Messiah is not just a good person, not just a good moral teacher or example. He is God himself in the flesh. The son of God became a human being like us in order to save us and redeem us. That's what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas here. The last Old Testament passage I want to point to here that helps us understand who this Messiah is, is Isaiah 53. Now this is a passage that we often maybe associate with Easter more so than Christmas, but it reminds us of why Jesus came, why he was born, why he entered into this world, and that was to save us from our sins. 
Isaiah 53, verses 5 through 6 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned on our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This Messiah, this Jesus who is born on Christmas Day, he is the suffering servant that Isaiah describes, who God will send to take away our sin. Right? The, the, the punishment that we deserved because of our sin was laid on him. We'd all gone astray. We'd all gone our own way. Yet, yet this suffering servant, this Messiah, was going, is going to come and rescue us and save us from our sin. And that's exactly who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I remember at my my last church where I was serving as a youth pastor, there was kind of a, a good-hearted uh, argument over what was the most important Christian holiday, right? Is Christmas or Easter more important? And we would go kind of back and forth and talk about that. But the, the conclusion I came to was that Easter is the most important cr- Christian holiday, that Christmas loses its meaning. Christmas loses its significance if we lose sight of the cross, right? Christmas is what it is we celebrate the birth of our savior because we know why he came because we know that this child right that we celebrate grows up to live a perfectly obedient life a life of perfect obedience and submission to the father that he lays down his life for us on the cross and that he takes it up again on the third day in resurrection and in doing so bring salvation to his people. That's why we have joy. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because we know that Christmas ultimately leads to Easter. And so that's who this Messiah is. And we see that in this Messiah, this, and I, I, we pointed at just a few passages of many in the Old Testament that point forward to Christ. And we see that all of these promises that God has made to us are fulfilled in Jesus. God has been working for our salvation since before the foundation of the world, that we were chosen in Christ to experience his grace and his love and his mercy. And we rejoice all the more as that day is drawing near. My kids, they they love Christmas time. They get so excited for, for Christmas to come. They love the presents. They love the lights. They love doing the advent calendars and all the activities that are surround that. Uh, Miles especially, right? He's at that age where he is really excited about it. He's he's three going on four, so he's very much aware of what's going on, and he's very much looking forward to Christmas Day. The only problem is, is he has no concept of telling time. <laughs> he, has, he has no way of uh, understanding how many days there are until Christmas. He's always excited that Christmas is going to be tomorrow or maybe the day after that, but he doesn't understand that we have to wait you know, a couple more weeks for that day to arrive. So every day he he expects and he wants Christmas to be here. And we have to explain that we have to wait a little bit longer. doesn't help that his birthday's in January too. So he's excited for that as well. You see the kids, my kids are all the more, are, are so excited and they get more excited as we get closer and closer to Christmas. Their joy is palpable. And as we think about who Jesus is, and what he's done for us. We should be filled with that same sort of excitement and joy. We should be more and more excited the more we learn about Jesus, about who he is and what he's done for us, and how all of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ. And we can experience those promises. We can experience that joy through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So he is our Messiah. He is who he says he is. The second thing we see here is that he is our savior. He saves us from our sin. And that's so important, right? Because scripture testifies over and over and over again that we cannot save ourselves, that someone else must save us, right? Paul, as he's reflecting on his own struggle with sin and the the the, the struggle that he has to to, to put aside his sin and, and to follow Jesus in Romans chapter seven, he says this at the end of his his at the end of the chapter. He says, What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God 
who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Praise God for that. Right? We all struggle with sin. We all are sinners in need of a Savior. And thankfully, right, right, God sent his son Jesus to save us because we can't save ourselves. Right? Paul doesn't Paul Paul says, Who will rescue me? Right? Who will rescue me from my sin? He has an answer. <laughs> the, the, he doesn't leave it open-ended. He knows who's going to rescue him. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the answer. That's the hope. Jesus is the Savior that we need. And praise God that he doesn't leave us alone. Praise God that he doesn't abandon us in our time of need. That he is the Savior who rescues us out of the dominion of darkness and into his glorious light. We rejoice in a Savior. We rejoice in our Savior when we realize that what we are being saved from, right? In order to truly find joy in Jesus as our Savior, we need to understand just the depth of our sin and 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 how that affects us. Jesus and uh, Luke chapter 7 is eating a meal at this this religious leader's house. And, and during the meal, this woman comes in. This this woman who is known to be a sinful person comes in and, and anoints Jesus with perfume. She's so uh, overcome with emotion that she begins to weep and cry. And, and, and he begins, the tears are falling on his feet and and she's wiping them with her hair and kissing them and pouring perfume on them. It's just this very, very dramatic scene of, of love and worship and appreciation for that this woman is showing to Jesus for who he is. Um, the religious leaders that Jesus is having a meal with are kind of put off by the scene and, and wondering why Jesus is allowing this woman to do what she's doing. They know that she's a sinner and, and they wouldn't, they don't want to associate with people like that. And so in Luke 7, beginning of verse 41, Jesus says this, Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay them back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them away with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little right when we understand god's forgiveness for us when we truly understand our need for him we will rejoice all the more at his grace and his mercy and his salvation see the point of that parable isn't that some of us owe 500 some of us owe 50 the reality is we all owe 500 right we all owe a debt of sin that we cannot pay back ourselves. Yet we are forgiven in Christ. Jesus dies for us. God the Father, out of his great love and mercy, forgives us. The Holy Spirit applies that salvation to our lives so we can experience it for ourselves. And so the more that we realize the depth of our sin, the more we realize how much we need Jesus, the more joyous we will be. One of uh, one of the famous Christmas carols that we that we like to hear this time of year is "O Holy Night," right? And the first verse has these lines: "Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn." Right? What a beautiful picture that is of, of the salvation and the hope that we have in Jesus. Right? We have, we have long suffered right? because of our sin and our error. The world is dark without Jesus. But because of him, right, we have hope. We rejoice. The light dawns and, and we can look 
to Jesus for that salvation. And we can rejoice because of what he's done for us. So we rejoice because Jesus is our Messiah. He's our Savior. And then finally, we rejoice because he is our Lord. He is the righteous king who will do right and will rule justly. Jesus he has all authority and deserves our worship and our obedience. And we often think uh, the birth of a king should come with a lot of fanfare, right? It should come with, with a, a huge celebration. We see that in our world today with uh, how much attention is often given to the royal family in England, right? When they're when they have a, a marriage or a birth, you know, the whole world focuses in on them. It seems like, but that's not what happens here with Jesus, right? He's he's born in a manger to this young teenage uh, woman, uh, and 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 all of the all of the usual expected fanfare is absent. But Jesus is. Our king, he is the righteous king, and even though it's it's only animals and shepherds that greet Jesus the night he was born, we know from Luke two, right? There was an entire heavenly host. Heaven itself was rejoicing and celebrating at the birth of this king, and Jesus certainly deserves our worship and our obedience because he is the king that we need. Jesus as Lord was was the original statement of faith of the early church, more than just a belief in his deity. Although, although that certainly plays a part in the statement, you know, Jesus is the son of God after all, but to say that Jesus is Lord is to say that he's in charge, that he is our master, that he gets to call the shots, right? The early church was making a statement when they said Jesus is Lord to say that, to say that Jesus is Lord is to imply that Caesar is not, that the early church didn't pledge their, their allegiance to uh, the government or, or to some outside power, but that Jesus himself is Lord. All right, we don't pledge allegiance to Caesar anymore, but there are certainly plenty of other lords that compete for our time, our attention, and our loyalty. And the biggest problem, if we're honest, is, is probably ourselves, right? We want to be Lord. We want to decide what's right and wrong. We want to have the final say over what is good. But to confess Jesus as Lord is to give up that right. It's to concede that prerogative and, and to, to give it to Christ and to him alone. He is Lord and we are not. And you know what? That may seem hard to do, may seem sometimes impossible to do, but I can tell you that there is joy in that. There is joy in letting go of ourselves. There is joy in letting go of, of, of our own lordship and giving it over to Jesus. There's joy in submitting to him and worshiping him and being obedient to him because that's what God created us to do. We were created to know him and love him and be in a relationship with him. And the thing, the thing is that, that when we choose to do that, we'll find joy in him that we can never find anywhere else. That we can find joy in a relationship with Christ, with him as Lord, that we can never find in other relationships and other things that this world has to offer because he is the source of our joy. So we rejoice because Jesus is our Messiah. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. But we also re need to remember that, that this joy isn't just a future joy. It's not just joy that we will experience one day when we go to be with him in heaven. But it's joy that we can experience now. It's good news for this life and the life to come. In Luke 4, Jesus you know, reads from this scroll from the prophet Isaiah about, about good news being for the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, all these people who are struggling and experiencing hardship in this life. And as he's done reading from that scroll, he sits down and he says, this has now been fulfilled in your presence. In other words, Jesus is saying the good news has come. Right? Good news for these different groups of people has come and it's come in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? The gospel is good news for this life because it means that the kingdom of God is breaking through. That with the arrival of the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord, 
God's kingdom is beginning to be established. That means justice and righteousness and holiness is happening, right? And not in its fullness, right? When we know that because we, we look at the world and we, we see its brokenness and we see the hardships and we see the heartache that people still experience. And so we know that, that God's kingdom won't be fully established until Jesus returns again. But, but in Jesus, because of his victory on the cross, we know that the kingdom of God is breaking through and, and, and we can see glimpses of it when we look around. And so means that we should care about the things that Jesus cared about, right? We should strive to carry out the work that, that he started. When we pray the Lord's Prayer together, we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we living that way? Right? We should be working to bring about his kingdom, even in small and little ways. And in doing so, we will experience God's joy, but we will also be able to to share that joy with others, to, to allow God's joy to overflow in us and work in us in such a way that we are, we are, we are striving, we are longing to bring about God's kingdom in this world. You see, what we believe about Jesus, the joy we have in him, the hope we have in him, the peace we have in him, all those things will impact then how we live in this world. And again, the prophets in the Old Testament talk about this. You know, Amos 5.24 says, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Right? When we experience God's joy, when we experience him as Savior and Lord and Messiah, then we should care about the things that he cares about and seek to live in that joy and live out that joy in our lives. So in the closing few minutes here, I want to reflect on how we can live a joyful life. What does it mean for us to live in that joy that God has made for us in Jesus? And the first is maybe obvious, but it, it bears repeating. Trust in Jesus as your Messiah, as your Savior, as your Lord, right? All these things that we talked about today are for, are contingent on us choosing to, to make Jesus our Savior and Lord, Right, And so we need to repent and believe the good news. We need to find joy in our salvation and repentance. Right, Our joy does, there is joy in knowing Jesus. There is hope in knowing him. There is joy in confessing our sins to him so that we can be forgiven. In Psalm 51, David offers up this, this great prayer of confession. This this flows out of his uh confessing his sins about his uh, adultery with Bathsheba. But it's a great model for us as to what true heartfelt confession and repentance looks like. And and what David realizes is there is joy in it. So in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, he says, Create me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. See, that's where our joy comes from. Our joy is in a relationship with the Lord and knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that we are loved, knowing who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. There is joy in that. And that joy isn't just for ourselves too. There's joy in, there's joy in heaven when people repent and and turn to Jesus. In Luke 15, Jesus tells this parable about a a woman who lost a coin. He says, uh, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now think about that. What is Jesus saying here? He says that angels rejoice when people repent from their sins and trust in Jesus. There is joy in heaven when a lost sinner returns home. Praise God for that. Right? So, So we experience joy. 
when we repent and confess our sins. But we also know that there is joy in heaven. There is a celebration in heaven when people trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Think again about what I read for our call to worship earlier in the service from Zephaniah 3. Right? I just want to remind you right, about the joy that God has in his people. In 317, it says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God delights in you. God rejoices when lost sinners come home. And it's God's desire that you know him and that you turn to him. And so we have joy when we trust in Jesus as as our Messiah, Savior, and Lord. But we also have joy when we live as if his kingdom is already here. And kind of talked about this already, right? Caring about the things that Jesus cares about, about seeking justice, about caring for those in need, about loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us, right? That is, there's joy in that when we live under the reign and rule of Jesus. It seems upside down. It seems backwards. But if we truly have experienced God's salvation, if we have truly experienced his joy, then we will want to live in light of that. We will want to to see his kingdom come. We will want to see others experience that joy for themselves. And so we will live as if his kingdom is already here. And finally, we will want to spread the joy. We want to let the joy that we have in Christ overflow in us. And, and I don't mean a fake joy. I don't mean superficial, surface-level joy. Right? We get a lot of that this time of year already. And people can see right through that. No, the joy I'm talking about is the joy that we talked about at the beginning, that steadfast joy and contentment that comes from Christ. That's not based on our circumstances. That's not based on uh, what we have or what we don't have. It's based on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's the joy that we want to spread, that we want to see overflow in our lives so that other people can experience it for themselves. That joy is, that, that steadfast joy, right, is like, it's like a source like um, in Psalm 1, where it's described that like God's people who meditate on his law day and night, who delight in the law of the Lord are like people that are like trees that are planted by streams of water. Right, that they're able to bear fruit in all seasons because they are connected right to the source. Right? We can experience joy no matter what circumstances we face because we are connected to the source of our joy, who is Jesus himself. And so we want that let the joy we find in Christ overflow. And we want to bring joy to other people by loving them like Christ loves us. We want other people to know and experience that love, right, that joy in Christ. And so we want to love them the way that Jesus loves us. And in doing so, we will see, we will spread the joy. We will share the joy that God has made available to us in Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the joy that you have given us in Christ. Help us, Lord, to live in light of that joy. Help us to trust you as our Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Help us to experience the joy of our salvation and knowing, Lord, that you rejoice over us. And help us, Lord, to live in light of your salvation. Help us to spread the joy to others. Let it overflow in our lives. And help us to seek to establish your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at First Church this morning. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry or connect with us, you can find us on Facebook or at our website, firstchurchnk.org. You are invited to join us for a candlelight Christmas Eve service on Friday, December 24th at 7.30 p.m. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.